You're listening to another episode of The Zag here today with 2014 fellow Aida Macedo. Excited to have her here, even though she's no longer in Los Angeles. We're excited to hear about where she is now and I have a lot of questions for her. So let's get to it. All right, Aida, where exactly are you in the state of California right now? Uh, I live in Fresno, California, part of the San Joaquin Central Valley. So right in the middle of the state. And you grew up there? Is that right? No, I actually grew oh. up in Southgate in Southeast LA. Nice. So then how did you end up there post NLC fellowship? Um, I had some I had done some legal aid work out here working for a nonprofit and the, right after I did the NLC fellowship actually I got a call from um, one of the partners at my firm who I had worked for previously. And it just kind of happened, you know, he asked me if I wanted to come work for them. And um, I thought it was a really good opportunity. So when you were doing the fellowship in 2014, what was your job down here? Um, at that time, what was I doing? <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, at that time, actually, I was um, volunteering for a federal judge in um, downtown LA. And I had just finished my job at the nonprofit here in Fresno. And then a lot of people who do the fellowship because there's so much work on personal goals, professional goals, and you meet a lot of great people and they give you good ideas about what you might want to do with your life. Is that what happened to you? Do you feel like you were more open to opportunities because you had done the experience or were you already kind of itching maybe to try something different outside of Los Angeles? Yeah, you know, I think the the NLC experience uh, was good for me in the sense that it kind of pushed me to to think bigger, you know, to push myself to do things out of my comfort zone. And initially, my thought was to stay in Los Angeles and get involved again in LA area. And that was part of the reason why I did the fellowship. And after the fellowship, I thought, you know, I, I, LA is home, I can always come back home. And this is a great opportunity for me to see what else is out there and what kind of issues happen in rural California. Yeah, that's, that's why I'm glad you're on. So LA, we're surrounded by progressive folks. It's a pretty blue city, obviously. And San Francisco, the Bay Area is for the most part too. But then there's this giant part of California that is not that way. Uh, what has that experience been like for you living there? And, and what uh, kind of future do you see them going politically? Yeah, it's definitely been a learning experience being out here and just um, realizing how conservative uh, the towns around here are. It It is an agricultural area. And so... Um, a lot of the communities actually are starting to vote Democrat in the last election. Most of, um, I think all of Fresno County went to the Democratic Party. But the problem has been in the outskirts, more rural areas um, where, you know, maybe voters of color or people that don't have the resources or are not educated are not voting in those areas. And so um, it's been interesting just to be out of my comfort zone and not be surrounded by a bunch of progressive folks and <laughs> be the only person in the room who's bringing up um, some issues that I've been, you know, working on for a long time. Yeah. So what is your actual day to day like then? What are you doing when you get so, up in the morning and what's, yeah, what's, what's actually going on? Sure. So I'm currently a full-time litigator. I do um, plaintiffs civil litigation, which means I represent families on wrongful death matters, on really serious uh, personal injuries. Um, I've done a little bit of employment work. 
Uh, the nice thing is also, though, that I just actually started a consulting business uh, with a friend, um, Sid and Macedo, and we're working on doing political campaigns and doing, um, you know, social justice strategy and helping the nonprofits here, the community activists and people that want to run for office, uh, run campaigns. So I've kind of put together my ideal job. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. So what what kind of factors ultimately made you feel confident enough to do that? Because I feel like I'm talking to more and more NLC alums who are, yeah, considering the consulting world or considering trying to craft something that aligns with exactly that they want to do. So what kind of steps went into you making that choice? Um, I think that actually being in Fresno has um, really pushed me to be the, you know, to, to take risks and do things I normally would not do. Um, and that's the case anywhere. But in Fresno, for example, um, if you want to start a nonprofit working on disability rights only, you can because there's not that many organizations here. There's not as many resources here. Um, you know, I actually um, started a, a, a National Lawyers Guild chapter here for progressive lawyers. Um, I've been wanting to start NLC chapter. <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> but I just haven't gotten to it. And so there's a lot of room for um, entrepreneurship and also for people that want to create social change to kind of take the lead here. And I think that's true in any part of California or anywhere where you are. It's just kind of taking that leap and that risk. And so we um, saw a great need for technical assistance to different social justice groups, to people running for office. Um even to foundations and philanthropy, uh, folks that maybe do not live in the Central Valley and are in the Bay Area or Los Angeles to want to do work here. Mm -hmm. And so we thought, you know, why, why not do it ourselves? Like, why not create our own business? Why not um, really uh, embrace the expertise that we've developed over the years? And I think a lot of young folks or um, young millennials or people our age don't think that we're experts in anything, but we really are. And so this was kind of our um, opportunity to do that. So when you started, did you feel like you had one or two clients that you could tap into immediately? Or was it a case where you wanted to start and then you would kind of start shopping yourselves around at different nonprofits and see what you could get in terms of business that way? Like, how does the actual kind of first step go? Um, it was actually really surprising because it was just me and a friend sitting down for lunch. My friend Amparo Sid, who's now my partner, and um, we just said, you know, we should start a consulting business. And we laugh about it like, oh, it's a joke. And then next thing, like next time we meet, we're like, we really can do this. Like we know what we need to do. And we actually didn't have any clients lined up, but we had done a whole bunch of volunteer work. Um, we talked to a lot of folks that needed help and had done a lot of stuff on a volunteer basis and pro bono basis. Um, but, you know, um, she had just left her full-time job. And so she decided to take the lead and I was, you know, the second chair. And um, when we incorporated a week after we incorporated, we got our first client. <laughs> it's just like, nice. it just happened. It's easy. Yeah, Consulting now, is easy. <laughs> it's not easy. But it's just you already develop those relationships and you're already involved. So it's kind of um, already following your passion, doing what you would be doing anyway. And so I think things just kind of line up for you. And I feel like the folks I've talked to who are considering consulting business, one of the questions they ask is, how do you know what to charge? Like, I feel like there's a reluctance almost for 
progressives to put a dollar amount on the services or the expertise, like you said, that they have? How do you decide how to make good money out of the expertise that you have? Yeah, I mean, I think um, a lot of times progressives and, you know, um, young people, we undermine the value of our work. And our philosophy was we need to ask and we need to charge what we think our hourly rate is worth. Um, so right now our hourly rate is $250 an hour. And we decided to, we actually decided on, on a figure before starting the business. And then we said, you know, if there are nonprofits that have limited income or limited funds, we can work with them. We can, you know, allot pro bono hours for that. Um, but then everyone else, we would keep the same rate to make it fair. And so I think it's, it's something that, um, takes kind of a lot of courage because people are uncomfortable talking about money and people are uncomfortable to put a value on their work. Um, but I think it's really warranted and it, and, and we really do have a lot of experts and people that, um, that can, you know, charge what they're worth, but maybe are embarrassed to do so. And so I think it's just setting that standard before you get started. And then do you have like a menu of services that you provide? How do folks going forward know what to reach out to you for? Yeah, so we um, we created a website, which we're launching this week. Uh, it's a good time to promote. What's the yeah, address so on the website, site? Our website is um, Cid, C-I-D, Macedo, my last name, M-A-C-E-D-O dot com. Very simple, just our last names. And, um, yeah, our services are listed on there. Um, my partner has a strong, like, expertise in philanthropy and, and grant making. Um, she also has a strong, like, policy and, and uh, lobbying uh, background. And so we kind of put our skills together and said, okay, we could provide um, coalition buildings, like strategy, policy advocacy, uh, putting, uh, we also have somebody who is working with us on social media campaigns and doing and being the web producer for us. And so I think what's really cool about starting a business is that you start to create opportunities for other people as well as yourself. You know, um, we're looking to bring in an intern, a young Latina woman who um, wants to be an attorney someday. And, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's really cool to see how like you come up with this idea and then you have an impact on other people and you can help bring up other people as well. I like it. When we come back, I'll ask uh, Ida about some of the national political things on her mind. You're listening to The Zag. Stay tuned. So Ida, what was it like being in that part of California on election night and the days after the election? Um, you know, it's been, it's been tough because I've volunteered and done a lot of work with farm workers, um, labor rights, uh, a lot of the issues here that, um, you know, people in California don't think are happening is that a lot of farm workers and people that put in a lot of hard work are often, um, abused by the system and the laws you know they're not paid when they're supposed to they're fired there's people that are undocumented who don't want to come forward and um when you drove around the 99 which is the main highway here in the central valley you would see on a lot of the farms um you know uh, make america great again trump signs everywhere huge banners um trump had um 
President Trump had a fundraiser here in Fresno at the big convention center. Um, there was a protest, but there was just an overwhelming amount of people that were there. And a lot of them were farmers. A lot of them were um, uh, agriculture uh, owners of farms. And so to me, it's really um, kind of, uh, it was kind of shocking and disappointing that, uh, you know, a lot of farmers were giving money to the Trump campaign and, and, ex and expressively expressly supporting him uh, when they benefit from immigrant labor and they and they benefit from uh, all these folks working at their farms. And so, you know, we did a lot of work here uh, in terms of doing election protection work where we did poll observing to make sure there wasn't um, intimidation at the polls because in the past there's been uh, groups that intimidate folks at, at the polls and they focus on areas that have um, been predominantly communities of color or, you know, low income folks in the area. So um, there's a lot of suppression that goes on here. And I think in urban areas, there are more resources to fight that oppression. Um, it's not perfect. Obviously, everybody needs the help. But here it was just, you know, there was probably 20 of us doing it. I coordinated the, pro the project and just the amount of data and, and the, and the situations that we saw um, in terms of voting rights violations was just shocking. And so, um, you know, it's, it's an uphill battle here uh, locally in city council. A lot of the, the Republican candidates in office have taken on kind of the Trump rhetoric against the community and against um the majority really of the population here. So to me, it's been, it's been very frustrating, but also very motivating to um, try to get people involved and try to let other people that are not, let, let people know that are in urban areas or other parts of the state, like, look, there's some huge issues here in the Central Valley and we need to um, pressure, uh, you know, these people in office that are not really representative of the uh, community in the Central Valley. And so you have, um, you know, congressmen in, in, in um, national in national office, like Congressman Nunez and um, Denham and those that are, are, are you know, voting against, um, you know, the ACA and things like that, that affect the communities here. So it's, there's a lot of work to do here. There's a lot of frustration on my end. Um, but it's also motivating, you know, to, to say, okay, I can do something about that and I'm going to get involved and I keep trying. Yeah. Like based on what we saw last week in Virginia, do you feel a similar motivation? And so that when there are elections in 2018 and there's an opportunity to say goodbye to Devin Nunez, people will, will take that opportunity or do you feel like it's still a really long road until things flip over and it becomes more of a progressive place? I definitely think it's possible. Um, there's that's part of you know why my friend and I started a consulting business. I think it was a direct um, uh, you know response to the current administration and people in Congress is that there are people uh, that uh, could take those seats, but there are not the the pipelines are not there. You know, like in in LA and NLC and other parts of the country, NLC is trying to build that pipeline to a certain extent. Here, we haven't really seen that pipeline happen, even though there's there's good candidates. There's not, um, you know, we don't have the resources for fundraising at the same level that urban areas have. And then the voter turnout is even, you know, less here than it is in urban areas. And that's, 
there's different factors that go into that. But I think that we're still hopeful that there could be change and that there could um, be. There are some candidates who are starting to put their, you know, names in for those seats. And we're looking to support them in any way that we can. And then last thing, I'm sure people ask you this a lot, but have you considered running at some point? And if so, can we send you money right now? Or how, how does that work? <laughs> Um, no, I have been asked a lot, <laughs> especially at the city council level. Yeah. Um, but you know, right now I don't, I feel like I'm, I'm, I feel like I have more of an impact behind the scenes right now and doing, um, the, you know, I'm really committed to grassroots type of work and I'm not saying that being in an office, you, you don't do that, but it's a different way of doing it. And so for me, um, being able to kind of be the middle person or to help uh, bring candidates closer to the community's needs and letting the community know that they have the power to really put people in office um, is something that, that appeals to me more than being in office because I think, you know, there's a lot of different responsibilities with being in office. You have to listen to all your constituents, not just the ones you want to listen to. The ones you, yeah, exactly, exactly. Although, although you know, Central Valley congressman refused to meet with their constituents, which I had never seen in the past. But um, yeah, so I, I don't have uh, those aspirations as of now, maybe later on in the future. Keep us posted. Are you coming home for the holidays or what's your Thanksgiving? Yes, my days? brothers. Yeah, my brothers and my nieces and nephews are in Los Angeles. So I'll be visiting for the holidays. I'm excited. Well, glad to have you back in a progressive place and glad you're making things more progressive up there. Thanks for being on and thanks for everyone for listening. To another episode of The Zag, you can find all past episodes, and there are a lot, which is great. Uh, you can find it on the SoundClouds. You can find it in the Google Plays and in the iTunes Store, pretty much anywhere. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you soon.